What's going on? Welcome back for another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. And what a summer it has been here at the end of July. Daniel and Josh with you. Some fun news, some big, exciting updates. We can start it off by letting you know what this episode is going to entail. And Josh and I, we have already started our season six rewatch over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash by order of Peaky. That's where we're going to do most of our exclusive bonus content. We did our episodes one and two rewatch for those that have already finished season six. This is going to be an episode three and four rewind. Big updates on what we might have missed the first time through, obviously maybe just over um, overlooking the, the biggest points of it and, and what it could have meant for the rest of the season. Of course, if you haven't seen through episode six, I wouldn't necessarily recommend listening after the five minute mark of this episode. We are going to dive into some season six Peaky Blinders spoilers, as you would expect. Now, Josh, before we tell everyone about this big surprise reveal giveaway, have you seen the pictures of Killian Murphy? The first still images have been released from the summer 2023 blockbuster film Oppenheimer created I haven't by just Christopher seen the Nolan. Pictures. Have you seen the, the trailer? I, I watched the video. I have not, have not seen the trailer. You have, I just you, saw the stills. You must have not seen the trailer. It was, looks pretty fucking crazy. It looks really good. He, I can already tell what kind of character he's playing and he's going to be fucking epic. And I'm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the movie of the year. It's going to win the Oscars. For someone to announce an exact date a year early, right? It's almost exactly a year ago this, or a year from a week ago, July, I think 23rd, 2023, or maybe just July 23, maybe the, the 23rd caught in my mind. This is going to be the movie of the summer. It's, I'm so excited. It's going to not just bring in fans of, of Nolan, but I think it'll have so many other people because of its impact in American history and world history and Oppenheimer who invented and, and uh, I guess helped create what was the, the most powerful weapon in world history and the atom bomb and all of that. And it's Killian Murphy. It's the perfect, it's the perfect actor. And with, with the Peaky Blinders movie, potentially a 2024 film, it's going to be a fun little run here for Killian in the, uh, in the motion picture world. What did you think of the trailer? We'll do a, we'll do a full trailer. We, for some reason, I don't know why, Fans like when we do this like trailer second by second breakdown. So we'll do it over on the Patreon here. It wasn't weeks. really like anything that was giving or wasn't even really a detailed trailer. It was just kind of like Christopher, like a Nolan. Teaser. Christopher Nolan with his Batman Inception music uh, crescendos, really, really large orchestra sounds. Um, and then Killian Murphy kind of walking in that in that crowd with his with, with that hat on, with his head, you know, bowed out forward. Doesn't say a single word has a serious Killian Murphy face and he looks like he's, he lost a lot of weight for the role. Like he, he kind of looks a little malnourished. So I'm sure that that was ob obviously that was purposeful. I'm sure he gets very into the role as we heard that he does on set of Peaky Blinders. So I think, I think he's going to be, I think I'm, I'm already calling it right now. He's going to win uh best male actress in a motion. Actor career. would be, would be a actor. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, so I'm really excited. It looks great. Uh, a year from now, it's going to be highly anticipated film, and it's going to break box office records, in my opinion. Holy cow. I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, maybe there's been small movies, but I don't know of a movie where Killian Murphy has led the film yet. So this will be his first one. He was a, a major piece in, in A Quiet Place Part Two, but definitely wasn't the lead in any regard. And I'm sure there are older films that people are going to jump into our mentions about. But this is where certainly Killian Murphy can shine. And so we, we go from that into our giveaway here. We are going to have our first ever fan giveaway. And so if you were following us on social media, or if you watched our video over on Patreon a couple months ago, when Bushmills, the, the whiskey distributor, decided to have their Peaky Blinders tribute, they created a Peaky Blinders whiskey. It has Tommy Shelby's face on it. They gave us a cool little care package with a Peaky Blinders hat, a t-shirt, and a muddler to make uh, whatever cocktails you, you desire. It's definitely uh, in America used more for like a mojito style of, of blend, but I'm sure you can make, um, what is the Kentucky Derby uh, mint, yeah, mint, julep. mint julep? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, a, there's a ton of different whiskey drinks that you can make with the muddler. And the, our fantastic friends over at Bushmills, they went above and beyond. They didn't just send Josh and I a care package. They have now sent over about 20 different giveaways for us to just absolutely make some of our Peaky fans days, years, months with. And so what we're going to do is we are going to put together a giveaway next month or so, but it's going to be on Patreon. So yes, I know you might be upset about that, but at the end of the day, our Patreon subscribers are the ones who deserve this. They are clearly someone who figured that, that, that myself and Josh are worthy of the $5 a month, that they want the extra content, whether it's just a tip if they don't listen to the episodes or it's just more you know, bonus content. You get to watch the videos of our interviews with different actors. And speaking of, I'm, I'm in the talks with, with the main FX um, producer for the show to have him on as well. So that'll be a fun interview here in the next coming weeks. Danny Hargraves is his name. And we're also talking to uh, Simon Wan, who plays the uh, the Asian uh, shop owner in season six, and he wants to come on the show as well. So just because season six for Peaky Blinders is over, not even close is our podcast done, breaking through all of these barriers of, of different podcast TV shows. And so what we're going to ask you to do, simple as this, if you want a Bushmills care package that includes the Peaky Blinders hat, a t-shirt, and a muddler, we are also going to do a second layer of the giveaway, which is just the, the Bushmills Peaky Blinders t-shirts. You're going to have to join the Patreon. And then from there, we are going to do an automatic random number generator that will give out who gets the first giveaways, who gets the second giveaways. All of that will be transparent. I can guarantee you no Gilmans or Levies are going to win this award. Nothing like that. When to win this giveaway, it's going to be completely given out to the fans that we have no connections to except they like to listen to us. We like to listen to them. I read all of the emails. I read all of the messages. I love getting feedback. Um, I just started covering industry over on, on Patreon a little bit. I did it like a teaser episode and Josh and I are going to talk about it because Josh finally has started this show. That was my number two show of, uh, of 2020. And, and we had a, a fun little um, email back and forth, Josh over on our B-O-O-T Peaky Blinders at gmail.com. Why, why don't you give uh, fans a little bit of a teaser of what this show, Mike, is, uh, is our, our, our emailer from July 19th saying, hey, remember, Industry Season 2 is coming out August 1st. 
Let's get pumped about it again. And so from Mike's mouth to Josh's ears, he finally started this show. And before we talk about Peaky Blinders episode three and four, would you would you recommend this to the fans out here on, on the Apple and, and Spotify side? The industry is a really good show. I'm four episodes in right now, season one. And okay. there's the eight, Daniel, by the way. Yeah, the way the way that Daniel described it to me before I watched it was a mix of billions and euphoria. And I can't I can't think of a more perfect depiction. I don't even watch Euphoria. I know I've seen clips and stuff, and I, I watched the first episode, and that's exactly what this show is about. It's about young kids in uh, in London who are at this graduate program at this top financial trading. They they trade uh, bonds on the market. It's like top notch. They get overworked. They work crazy hours, and that's just kind of basically a nice summation of what it's about. Really good. Really dramatized. Um, it's an HBO show, so you can you can expect some really good production, a lot of nudity, a lot of nudity, lots lots of it. It's it's um, and it's fun. It's, it's yeah, first year bankers, great. first year it's bankers great. going through the everyday life. And so Josh and I are going to talk about that, including our favorite show of twenty twenty one. Are we in 2021, 2022, 2022? our favorite show of 2022, not going to talk about what it is. You're going to have to listen on our Patreon episode coming out later today because Josh and I have been blown away by a show that nobody's talking about and we can't wait to break it down for you. But the show that is also not being talked about enough, especially with these Emmy nominations all out is Peaky Blinders, of course. And I, I can't wait to talk about these episodes, Josh, because I think there are no better episodes than three and four. I, if, if you were to tell me, hey, if I had to watch two hours of Peaky Blinders in its history, all six seasons, I may point at episodes three and four, Golden Sapphire here in season six. Except for the Esme stuff. I, I didn't like it. I agree. Well, let's jump right into it. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it pretty broadly we'll, we'll dive into a couple of things i do have a list of things that i missed my first watch through and of course the big points but in why don't we just get the esme stuff out of the way early then right because yeah, tommy fine. meets with esme in episode three he meets with duke at the at the at the very tail end of the second episode with esme showing him and then tommy then just murders the entire barwell family we can kind of pile those three together those three main scenes and and say that they didn't necessarily hit with Josh and I, right? I didn't really think it was necessary. Kind of been, it was kind of drawn out. Um, didn't really like that Esme was like trying to get money out of Tommy. It was just kind of weird. It was just like, oh, here's here's your son. Like the the thing that I hated when I first watched it, and then when I watched it again, was when Esme reveals Duke Shelby to Tommy, saying, you know, this is your son. You know. Uh, under under the hazelnut trees is that what the hazel, yeah yeah the hazel yeah, eyes and he has and the hazel, hazel eyes and whatever oh if you want him you have to pay me but i just revealed him to you so you can't go and approach him yourself but only i can approach him for you it's just kind of weird yeah we could stick to that that all of the esme stuff did not hit on the rewatch it was probably the only time in the six seasons or the six episodes of season six that i was like kind of tuned out, you know, because I knew it was going to happen. There was nothing new in that stuff for me. We already dove deep into the Barwell, uh, Boswell controversy. I think that's what the two names were. It kind of changed throughout the seasons. There was all of that that just, it took away from what was, in my opinion, as incredible of an episode as they could have put together. Because when you have the meeting with Ada, Jack, 
Oswald and Diana. I was transfixed. I think I watched the entire scene twice back to back because I just loved, you know, the callback to Diana writing down Ada's clothes and then Oswald completely putting his foot in his mouth and being like, well, you know, you talk to me about her dress, right? Or something like that, where like Diane is clearly embarrassed by Oswald. That kind of goes forward about our conversation about what kind of character they turned Oswald mostly into this season, which was a little bit um, odd and surprising. But then you go deeper into Ada talking about the consumption, right? With, with Jack and, and what he's had to deal with in his life. Ada then powers through that into the scene with Isaiah. And I want to ask you this. Did you feel any sexual tension there between Isaiah and Ada? I think Ada was kind of not realistically flirting, but was flirting to kind of like tell Isaiah like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the shit. You need to listen to me. Uh, kind of playing through his emotions a little bit. Um, I thought that she's just, she's turned into a pure genius. Yeah. And has really taken Masterful. that poly role, but then really exceeded that poly role in terms of, hey, uh, like I, I texted you, her whole purpose of sending Isaiah and his cousins and Arthur to see Hayden Stagg um, on that mission in, in Liverpool was not only to send a message to Hayden Stagg and to all those people, but also to, to test Arthur and to kind of get him away from his addiction to kind of get him back on track to what Peaky Blinders do and what Arthur really does. And I didn't catch that the first time around. We always talk about things that we didn't catch, but she had this long game of Arthur isn't just going to, you know, come become clean by sitting around, you know, right. he's going to have a lot of impulses. What better way to send him to Liverpool? Well, for, first of all, there's a lot of opium there. Let's see if he gets really um, tempted to, to kind of go on that path or if, beating the shit out of somebody and sending a message, what Arthur does best leading that charge is what's really going to help him come clean to his old ways. I love that. And then little does she know it's the third door, which is the fact that Hayden Stagg's going to connect with Arthur in a way that changes him forever. And I, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit more about this. Obviously the cousins get involved. Our guy, Stefan Healy, yeah, it was great you know, comes it. It was into it. It was, there was just no world where I recognize any of the cousins are first watch. And then now, since we talked to one of them, I'm like, Hey, that's our boy. In the yeah, back. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go back to the Ada thing. I don't want to just gloss over it, especially with that meeting with Diana. Um, she wrecked Diana. Diana thought she was going to come into that meeting, and sit down and just say whatever she wanted. And Ada was going to be intimidated. And she kind of wrecked Diana when she basically calls her a whore. She's like, oh, you know, yeah. now, now women are just walking around the streets whoring themselves out to men because Diana was talking about how she loves, loves to get down and dirty, how she also likes women. Ada was like, shut up. I'm not interested in you. Um, they start talking about the, the Voss that had a lot of history on it, a lot of yep. the uh, Egyptian art on it. And Diana starts talking and Ada knows her history. And so every single time I did, Diana had something to say, Ada one-upped her. Um, she talks... She really impressed Jack Nelson. Jack Nelson took a liking to Ada when Ada did her research on Jack Nelson's family history and how he had family members that died of consumption. And I think that right then and there, Jack Nelson really started to respect her. And then once Ada mentioned that Tommy wasn't there because he was out tending to try to get, get help for his daughter, Jack Nelson immediately was like, I respect Tommy Shelby. I respect you. And I think that that kind of for the rest of the show, um, trigger that for Jack where he really had a newfound respect for Tommy. I think that was a very important scene and I did not catch that the first time around. 
Agreed, especially because he makes a couple snide comments about women right away. He's like, oh, Tommy's going to value a woman over us, right, going over his, after his daughter. And then obviously in the beginning, he's like, well, my, my niece tells me to not trust a word that comes out of a Shelby. So who's a Shelby here, right? That's his first line. And then when Ada decides that she's not going to consume too much alcohol either, even though Esme, uh, excuse me, even though Gina is like begging for drinks, that was a good little tidbit. It, it carries us, you know, into, this is a three and four, right? So you, we need Wait, you to realize. Need, sorry, I hate to interrupt you. But no, go ahead. Because that, that, that meeting is such an important part of the show with having all those. Scene, my favorite scene of the entire series, I think, or right. the entire season. Having all those figures in the same room and Grace's Secret, spoiler alert, we're going we're gonna to spoil. If you have, obviously, you've watched the show by now. If you haven't watched the show by now, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. But um, <laughs> we know that Oswald and Gina, at that point, like, well, at the point in time, he did it. Daniel did because he predicted it beforehand. Let's that go. Oswald, you know, we're having an affair, and just if you if you observe the way Gina is acting in that room with Oswald, she is she is fidgety. She can't Uncomfortable. sit still. You know yeah. that feeling when you're in a room with someone and it, it, I, I don't know that like you know something that that, that they don't. You're you're like oh this is nervous. You don't want to spill the beans. She is fidgety. She wants a drink as soon as possible. And right. just crazy how the show, it's so similar. I mention all the time how Game of Thrones does things that when you watch things on hindsight, they act as if you're in the moment and you know it because they place those little, those little tidbits in there. So Gina, super nervous, not really even looking at Oswald Mosley. They're not making eye contact with each other. And Oswald, now I know why he's been so weird because, and why he's been right. so sexy is because he's also having an affair with Gina and he's, he's dealing with her they're in the same room and so just something that i also observed and that that meet was just one of my favorite scenes of the whole season yeah so we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second episode three ends with tommy going on his crazy quest coming back and missing ruby by like five minutes ruby dies at 5 17 p.m still looking for the right answer was it a.m it was that was that was the middle of the night okay so 5 17 a.m I'm still looking for the right answer. So this is where I'm going to send out a beacon. There's got to be some secondary, third, fourth reason that that time was stated, right? It's got to be something. Was it a, a Bible verse or was there a well, callback to the seasons? Like, why did she focus on 517? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. It's got to be something. But also there's a, the, the song that's playing in the background, which is a really harrowing song. It's called 517 by, by Tom York. Uh, I, I shazammed it because you know me, I'm, 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 the, I'm the music guy at the pod. And so I don't know if it's because they found that song and they thought the song was perfect for the moment. And I, I, I don't know, maybe that's it. But that was, you talk about that beat being your favorite scene, that scene right there, not that it was my favorite, but it was the best acting job by Lizzie and, and Tommy, by Killian Murphy. Just his, his reaction. I mean, she says it, she's talking. He doesn't say a single fucking word. And yet it's unbelievable acting standing in the rain. He easily could have walked three steps under, under yeah. the roof to not get poured on, but he was in such shock that he just couldn't believe. I think it was also a sense of realization of, I just spent however long in, in the boondocks with Esme and the Lee clan for God knows what. And I miss being with my daughter for the last few minutes and, and my, and my wife who was here. And it's like, what, kind of a realization of, am I going crazy a little bit? And it was a really, really powerful scene. 
I'm glad you mentioned the not talking because that carries into episode four where the funeral happens and Tommy refuses to speak. He is somebody that loves the center of attention. He loves to grab all the eyes. And maybe I have something in common with Tommy Shelby there where it's like when there's people captivated, yeah, like at a funeral, I'm surprised that Tommy didn't speak more, but hold on. I just Googled it up. There's two different 517s that pop up on Google. There's the Matthew 517 that says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So I'm not sure, maybe just saying like Tommy thinks the law doesn't refer to him or, or count for him. But then I think there's a better one. It's, it's the Corinthians 517, where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. So I don't know. I'm sure there's more 517s. Josh and I are not biblical in our nature. So we don't necessarily have the Bible um, at, at our disposal as much as other people do. So I'm hoping that those others can, can reach out and let us know. But Josh, the second best scene of the entire season for me was in episode four when Arthur and Tommy have the long drawn out conversation sitting it. under I the wine. It. Wow, I loved it. It was incredible when Arthur reveals, kind of reveals, Tommy kind of figures out that maybe Arthur let him win when they were fighting his kids. And that just speaks to the entire existence of the two of them as humans and brothers and the, the power shift from the first minute of episode one of season one, when we see the older brother, but really it's the younger brother that's running things. and then an important moment when Tom finally decides to put liquor to his lips for the first time in four years. So I didn't hate the message. I didn't hate the purpose of it. I hated the placement of it in the season. With not it did a lot cut up. Left. Yeah. And it was drawn out and they could have spent time, more time on other scenes rather like they, they, they spent a lot of time in, in the Esme world. They spent a lot of time in this scene when they could have spent a lot of time in the Diana, Jack Nelson, Oswald, even even the Duke plot, like that that developed a little too fast for me when they could have spent more time on that, explaining that. Um, and the whole Billy Grady thing as well later on. So I I didn't I, I just thought it was pretty it was just long. I wanted some more plot development. You know what I mean? I think that, that could have been more in the beginning of the season. So I'm gonna make a sports reference here. Um this year in the in the baseball all-star game. The, uh, the MLB decided to add in two legacy editions with Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. This felt like a legacy nod where we're, where we're just watching the two guys that almost created the show from their acting, letting them cook for a little bit. That's what it kind of felt like to me, just saying, all right, Paul Anderson, Killian Murphy, you guys can have your moment. It, it, we do get it again in the finale. So that's, I get where you're coming from. We get like almost the same style of conversation again in episode six. But then, Josh, we have Tommy disheveled back at his home. Oswald, Diana, Jack, Captain Swing, all sitting at the dinner table. I can't believe it's still in the same two-episode stretch that we get the meeting with Ada and the crew. And then we get this dinner where we have Captain Swing singing the Grace song from yep. season one and Tommy standing in the shadows when nobody can see him except for Diana. Ooh. Pretty crazy. It was, and that, it was really good. That was a really good encapsulation of Tommy's tiredness. Like when he's going down the stairs and says, Francis, do they, do they have drinks? Francis, Francis obviously has everything covered as usual, has the guests, uh, you know, pleased. Tommy kind of just stands at the doorstep, 
covers his face, kind of wipes out the sleepy out of his eyes, you know, the crusty is out. He's, he's, he's so tired. And he's like, here we go again, back to business. Just his ability to flip the switch and go right back to business amidst all of that. And I think when thinking on it as to why he's really doing that is because he wants to send a message to them that he's not weak, that, that even amidst his darkest, darkest time, he can still conduct business for the greater good of quote unquote fascism and the, uh, the progressiveness of fascism, because that's what they think that he wants. And so I think that was really the purpose of him just going right into it. It wasn't a, Oh, I'm a fucking savage and I don't care about that. My daughter, I care about business and, you know, running business. So. I remember vividly going over this instant reaction with you, Josh, and I listened back to it a couple weeks ago. There was just, I mean, this episode has so much. I mean, just in my, 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 the lightest of notes that I took for episode four, we've got Ruby funeral open, Tommy kills the Bardwell family, Duke Shelby gets introduced, Arthur and Tommy have dramatic scene, Oswald, Diana, Jack swing Tommy dinner, then the Gina reveal where Tommy shows up at the apartment. And here's something I missed in my first watch. Tommy essentially asks Gina to tag along to Germany to try to spy on Oswald. That's not something I caught because obviously we get the, the wedding and I wonder how much and, and how much in the movie they can come back and call back to Tommy using Gina as informant. We'll see if that happens. And then the Dr. Bombshell at the end. This episode was slam packed. Yeah, and I that's something that I really just on hindsight wish that they really used more was Tommy's knowledge of Gina and Oswald's affair. Like he kind of yeah. like we don't know. And like it's kind of I think the purpose was just saying like I have Gina by by like wrapped around my finger now going forward, as opposed to Gina ever having any leverage and her kind of character kind of just came crumbling down at that moment because she couldn't use her suaveness and her and her witty ways to kind of undermine Tommy in any way. But let me interrupt it, you. There was no sexuality used by Gina in that 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 meeting with Ava. You know, she's so used to we're so used to seeing Gina use that as a strength, her sexuality. But you can tell she she's nervous. so nervous. Exactly. Right. It wasn't right. It was it was taken away from her by Tommy. Yeah. And I think that Gina and like Oswald, like they're probably madly in love. Like, obviously, if they're eh. really I mean, if they're really trying to like if they're going to like like. Obviously, it's not portrayed but I think that they obviously have a, a, a connection and like if they're willing oh, yeah. to risk everything for that, like it's obviously, you know, important to them, but I don't know. I mean, just maybe we find out more in the movie. I don't even know like if, if, if that gets used, hopefully maybe we do. Cause I would love to see it be used. Cause that's such, such, such an important tidbit of the show that, that they introduced in season five, if you really so, pay attention. So what, what's the, really the purpose of that? If you're not going to use it. And the one thing on the rewatch, we'll talk about it in our, uh, on our five and six talk, but, and maybe maybe we'll do one just solely for episode six. It's obvious to me that Gina was a direct informant in this final Michelin, um scene, right? Like the swapping of the cars, like knowing the plan, all that stuff. I think it's obvious. And I think maybe Stephen Knight thought it was obvious so he didn't feel the need to say it, but it would have been nice to have one more scene, right? With like Gina and Tommy on the phone or just something that like maybe a letter that they sent back to each other. Maybe Tommy has a letter from Gina that explains Michael's plan or there's something. So, I don't know so, what it was. So you think Gina got Michael killed? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I, I don't know if like she, that. I don't know if she planned on it, but I do think that it was just reporting the plan to Tommy of what they were going to do. Maybe Tommy said, I'm not going to kill Michael. And I don't think Tommy wanted to kill Michael until Michael 
so went through Tina with the execution really, really putting her affair with oswald over the life of michael would be a crazy plot twist that i think is a pretty good theory and I something like it. that i hope if it's true they clear it up in the movie would be sweet I, I don't i don't anticipate anya taylor joy being in the movie you know that would be a huge ad and obviously a lot more dollar signs going towards the movie budget but i like that because there was just angst and frustration shown towards michael all season gina never really showed any love towards him there was one more that i want to talk about here we're talking about a doctor that tommy has had for three years how does lizzie not know who his family doctor is like that's a big one for me yeah it's it's there's there's some there's some no stuff that's like the biggest one that is the you're talking about a family doctor tommy mentions it right three years this guy's been undercover as his family doctor and you could just like pretend that it's the accountant to lizzie i don't know about that one yeah i mean who knows that, that that is that is a little bit of an inconsistency and a little bit of something that probably would just slip through the cracks there and they kind of add that to the script. I don't know how, how that works, but I mean, there's also something that I wanted to talk about, which we're not really talking about, and that's Hayden Stagg's character and that yeah. monologue. That, we're going back to three here. Obviously, this is a recap. And we're, and we're no, flipping. go ahead. But going back to this episode, I mean, that monologue uh, that Hayden Stagg delivers to Arthur about walking a straight path is is really really deep and i thought it was amazing acting also with staring death right in the face because there was a black star on that envelope literally to kill, yeah. to kill hayden stag and that and, and this guy escaped the like like escape escape death literally escape death because they were about to kill him and i thought that was a really really cool scene that was like a a vintage peaky blinders season one kind of scene and, I, and that's that's what I really appreciated about that scene. Loved it. Loved Stephen Graham. I think we'll talk more about him in our next episode because he does have a bigger... I think his scene with Arthur is great, but his scene with Tommy, again, literally staring down the barrel of the gun yeah. in, the, in, the, in the final episode is tremendous, outstanding, like award-worthy almost just for like a two... I wish there was like a cameo award, right? Like how cool would that be if you give an award to somebody who's just in like less than three scenes of a show, something like that. Regardless, Golden Sapphire, they, it, takes, it takes the cake for me. I know I'm going to have fun talking about The Road to Hell with you, Josh, and, I, and obviously the finale is going to be, it's going to be a well, go ahead. Sorry, just, I, I, keep on, I keep on remembering stuff, but what do you think about Tommy just unleashing on the Barwells and just killing a bunch of people? That's not like him. No, but it's, it's the first person that Tommy's killed since he killed himself, remember that like you know an immense line that he delivers to to Freshville to uh, to Jack Nelson, where he's like he's like, "What's the last person you killed?" And he's like, four years ago, and his name was Tommy Shelby." Remember, yeah. he and, says that. So yeah. the first person he kills after that is these this, these random no names, purely out of anger that he feels like he probably killed his own daughter. Right, right. That, that's no, what I took out of it. Terrible. Crazy. I couldn't it watch. Kind it. of like showed how crazy he really was. Like how how crazy he got. He. He spared the lives of the kids, at least, thank God, in that village. That's something I noticed, but he that was just crazy. That was crazy. So this awesome. is just something that I, that, that I forgot. Didn't enjoy it at all. It, yeah, it was I didn't like it. I didn't like tough, it. tough scene. Lizzie, though, as you mentioned, she might have been the MVP of these two episodes in terms of just pure acting because you've got the, the, final, epi the final scene of episode three, and then you've got her so mad because she knew what Tommy did when he came back yeah. in episode four, and yeah. she was – I mean, frantic and emotional and everything that you say, you know, 
she probably could be because of the emotions running high. Really, really well done. Um, I don't know. I, there was that, That's pretty much all that I have in terms of those two episodes. Natasha O'Keefe, I want her to be in more stuff. I think she could really be a bright spot in like the future of television. I just, I don't, it's all about picking and choosing. She was in like an episode of that Wheel of Time show that Amazon Prime tried to like have as their Game of Thrones competition. But now obviously mm-hmm. they're going towards the, uh, the Lord of the Rings and all of that. But uh, she was also in Sherlock. I do actually remember her a little bit from, from the show Sherlock with, uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch. But as we say, once again, for those of you still listening, we really appreciate you. We're excited to give these away, the, the, this entire combo. I want to see pictures for when you win. Whoever's still listening, I know you're probably Patreon subscribers if you're still listening here at the end of the episode because you are the reason why we are still here grinding week in and week out to make entertaining content grinding. for you. We grind. We grind. We do. We're, about we to, do. We do. we're about to stay in the, rec- in the recording booth and bang out a short Patreon episode for you all. So enjoy the content. Enjoy all of our uh, our random interruptions of each other because that's that's how we have fun. And it's, it's, it's fantastic to continue. Even though the show's done, we love it. We're so happy for it. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. And we binge so you don't have to.